Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The military culture is very abrasive, and it's very much a brotherhood. And I'd say brotherhood purposefully. It's not a family. They don't very much include females in really anything that they do. People don't hold back what they say. Um, there really is no filter. And I did feel like I fit in at work. But if we ever had to do anything outside of performing our duties, I was not included at all. So my routine was to go to work, treat it as a job, and go home. And I really didn't have any friends there. Jackie Bushore was in the military for four years. Her grandfather was a Marine, and her father served in the Navy. So when she graduated from college and joined the service, she wanted to break tradition in some way, so she joined the Army. Jackie started out as an ordnance officer and transitioned to an explosive ordnance disposal officer, which in layman's terms is the Army's bomb squad. We first met her last November when she joined us to talk about being in the military during the crazy election cycle that was 2016. And in January of this year, she reached out to us because she had a story she wanted to share about something that happened to her the night of the 2016 Super Bowl. And before we get back to Jackie, we want you to know that this story does include descriptions of violence against women. Here's Jackie. So I was in Fort Hood, Texas for a training mission. I was with five other males from my unit. One was from an adjacent unit, but I knew him as well. Four of us, including myself, went to a restaurant for the Super Bowl. And it was encouraged that we go out, spend time together, get some drinks, and enjoy the Super Bowl. And it wasn't anything for me as an officer to be hanging out with enlisted men because we all go to the same school. We're all friends. We really, we mingle like that all the time Mm. in my position. So... We went to this restaurant, and I had quite a bit to drink. We all did. We had one designated driver, and the plan was to get drunk that night. So I had so much to drink that my BAC was later determined to be .308, and I blacked out sometime around halftime for the Super Bowl. I don't remember anything past that. I was helped to my room by two of the other soldiers, one of which came back later and raped me. How do you, How did you piece back together the evening? I can describe the evening in fragments. Um, I was aware some of the time what was happening to me, but I could not take action. I was really paralyzed with fear 
and I was so drunk that I couldn't control my body. And what were the steps you took the next morning? Panic. That's the only way to describe it was panic. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. I was thousands of miles from home with men that I no longer trusted, aside from my first sergeant. I contacted my friends immediately, and they all told me to take the same route, report it. But I didn't know how to report it being somewhere that I wasn't familiar with. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know the outcome. Hmm. Um, I did not want everybody to find out what had happened. So I spent the entire week with the man who sexually assaulted me, and he would go out of his way to get close to me. Um, I did manage to get a hold of a friend who lived there and had her take me to the hospital. So I did manage to get the forensic evidence taken care of. And I got on a C-130, which was the worst flight of my life, and went home a little bit early. And how did you... So that whole week you didn't tell anyone that was in that space with you? No, I did not. If you tell somebody in the military, by default, it becomes an unrestricted report. That means that your case is opened immediately without your consent. Versus you being able to choose if and how you would like to follow through. That's right. To really make your choice, you have to speak directly to a victim advocate Hmm. or a few protected people, like the chaplain. I see. In terms of the military protocol for handling sexual assault, as an officer in the military, do you have to default to go to somebody within the military to report it, or could you take it to the a different, say, the local police station? It's automatically military. You cannot go to the local police. You could, but it would, it would be turned over to the military. Got it. Afterwards. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you got home, and then what were your next steps? Well, my first step was to rush to Richmond and tell my fiancé what had happened before I did anything else. So describe um, what it was like to tell your partner about this and sort of how you were feeling about the incident at that point. I was terrified. I was afraid she was going to leave me. Um, I was humiliated. It just seemed like an impossible feat to tell her. Like, how do you tell the woman you're with as a lesbian that a man assaulted you? I've never been with a man before. And it really took away my identity. And to sit there and tell her that, it was the worst moment of my life. Hmm. I got back to work a couple days later, and I opened up a restricted report. At the time, I didn't know what steps I wanted to take. My mind was really a mess. But I did eventually open up the report a couple days later. And he learned that I had reported the incident that day that I reported. And he learned it because we have a formation at 9 o'clock on Monday mornings. And that was the day that I chose to go unrestricted. So I went to talk to my VA. And our battalion commander took it upon himself to announce to the entire formation that there was a sexual assault. I'm the only female. I wasn't there. Wow. So he started to call me immediately after. And why would the battalion commander do that? I think he was just looking out for his unit and his soldiers, and he thought he was taking a step towards fixing the issue, hmm. when really he made it a lot harder on me. And once that announcement was made, so the person who assaulted you knew, but also your fellow 
members of your unit. Did they reach out and support you? A lot of them did not piece it together. They'll they'll stand in formation. They'll listen. They won't really think too much about what's being said. I mean, it could have been another unit. It could have been a different battalion that is not on Fort Bragg because we are in charge of other battalions or other companies. But my rapist knew that I was not there. And one of my soldiers did put it together. And he was pretty supportive for the first bit. But what can he do? He's just a specialist. I'm a lieutenant. I, I should have the resources that I need. So describe your process. You opened, you go that morning to report it officially. What happened from there? Immediately, I was sent to counseling. I was assigned a number of professionals to talk to me, help me in any kind of way. I was assigned a sexual assault attorney and later assigned a trial counsel of three members who would take on my case. And how long does it take from when something like this is reported to when it's heard before a military judge? It took my case 11 months, almost a full year. Wow. And it was rushed. So in that period of 11 months, you, you, you had to be around your rapist the whole time? No, he was immediately moved. As soon as I opened my unrestricted report, he was moved to another brigade. Did he have any contact with you after the fact? No, there was a military protective order put in place. So on a military base and off, he could not approach me within 50 feet. Okay. I did, however, run into him a few times. As this unfolded in your own life, you're still going to work every day getting your job done. I am. So in the months that followed, what were you doing to get through the workday? I would show up late and I would leave early. I would do what needed to be done and work from home if I could. I wouldn't interact with anybody. I stopped going on special missions. And you get paid extra for these. They're fun. You get to go anywhere you want. But I restricted myself from going because I did not want it to happen again. Hmm. So um, you, you totally restructured the way that you were doing your job. Yes. I put myself into a routine. I would go to work when I felt like it, leave when I felt like it, and go home. I was actively in counseling. I saw a professional at the hospital who would provide me with uh, different medical treatments. I had a chronic headache after the fact, and I was later diagnosed with PTSD. So I did have professionals helping me work through it, but I can't honestly say that it helped. I felt like none of them actually cared, and to be honest, I felt like the entire time I was on trial. I felt like I constantly had to explain myself and really defend myself. And do you think, I mean, I feel like in the past few years, there's been a lot more public conversation about sexual assault in the military. So as a woman in a unit with no other women, was it something that had been on your mind before this incident happened? Or how did you, what did you think about it? I honestly didn't consider it. It was never on my mind. It was one of those things that, you know, it happens to other women, not not you. And I didn't really interact with these people outside of work. Right. So I never put myself in a position of fear. I never had to consider it. Well, in the email that you sent us about this, you were you said you were told that this was a slam dunk case. I was. In your favor. I was. Who told you that and why did they say that? My sexual assault lawyer told me that as well as my trial counsel. Everything stacked up against this man. I had 
forensic evidence in my favor. I had two witnesses who saw me black out and unable to carry myself back to my room. I had text messages on my phone. I had harassing phone calls from him, everything of which went in my favor. He had no case, pretty much. And the verdict was decided in January. Your rapist was a white man. The judge was a white man. Take us to that moment in the courtroom. What was the verdict? What happened that day? In short, the verdict was not guilty. I did not see see that outcome ever coming out. Neither did my trial counsel, my attorney, all my witnesses. The first day of court, we killed it. We really put it out there that there was no, no shadow of doubt that he did this. The next day, they called it early because they gave up. They stopped bringing up witnesses. They had paid professionals tens of thousands of dollars to fly into Fort Bragg and did not even use them. So we were writing our testimonies for when he was found guilty, and he was not. What happened in the courtroom when that verdict was read? We were told to contain ourselves, no matter the outcome, but there was a lot of anger and a lot of tears. And did the judge provide an explanation? Was it, is it juried in the military, or is it a single judge who decides? Well, my case was supposed to be in front of a jury, and my trial counsel had planned for a jury. The week of the trial, they dropped the jury, and it was just the judge. So we had only the charges of sexual assault. He could have been charged with adultery, but they dropped it because they didn't think that a jury would find him guilty of both. So he got off scot-free for that reason. But it can be jury or just the judge. Got it. And he didn't offer an explanation, no. He came up to the stand, said not guilty, and walked away. And I was rushed out of the courtroom. Is there an appeal process? What happened? No. In my case, there was no appeal. There could not be. He was tried. He was found not not guilty. I'm just completely bewildered. I don't, I mean, and I can't even imagine how you must feel. It was a shock. I was holding in my hand a piece of paper to read to the judge for his sentencing. That's how much we were banking on a guilty verdict. I was told to think about how long I wanted him to sit in prison. Wow. And that was moments before I walked into that courtroom. Can you tell us about what you wrote on that testimony? I had addressed my rapist in that testimony. I had long since deleted it out of my phone, and I threw the piece of paper away just because I couldn't stand to look at it. But I pretty much just addressed him and how he ruined my life. What were the days that followed the verdict like for you? The first day, I could not stop crying. It was an absolutely miserable day. I I felt like I was living in an alternate reality. Like, how could that happen? How could he be found not guilty, especially with how many witnesses I had, how much evidence I had? And then as the days went on, I actually found some kind of relief that it was just over. Hmm. It was over and I could move on. There was a lot of anger. I wished I could go back and maybe say something different that could have changed the judge's mind. But I've since realized that nothing would have changed that man's mind. He wanted an eyewitness to my assault. That's just almost impossible to believe. 
So you are in a committed partnership. How have you as a team processed this together? It's been a long year. Um, it was not easy. And it was probably more difficult on her than, than me. I had to deal with one aspect of my life. She had to deal with me falling apart. Her feeling all these emotions that she's never felt before. But I feel like we probably made it through the hardest part of our relationship that we will ever have to go through. You talked earlier about how your sexuality was impacted by this in a very specific way. Can you tell us a bit more about that and and sort of sitting with that aspect of it? So there's some kind of pride in the lesbian community when you're a gold, you're a gold star star. Tell people um, what that is. So a gold star is a lesbian who has never slept with a man, and I had never slept with a man. I've never felt the need to. I've never been attracted to men. I've always been attracted to women. So for this to happen to me really threw my identity up in the air, not in the way that I didn't identify as lesbian but that I didn't have that sense of pride in myself. Even now, I think about it, and I feel like I let myself down. Hmm. I feel humiliated. It's embarrassing. Is your sexuality something that you had been open about with people you're working with? Oh, absolutely. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. He knew. He did, okay. He knew that I was actively looking for engagement rings at the time. So you were diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. And as I understand it, often there are certain things that trigger that for you. Are there moments still, since it's been over a year, that elicit a reaction from you? There are, but my reaction is not on the outside. I frequently relive all aspects of the trial and what happened in my head. And it's mostly when I'm alone or thinking, but on the outside, I'm just normal. I can't really describe it. I do have periods of anger where I'm just inconsolable, and it can be about anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the case or my assault. And before, anybody can tell you I was a very calm, patient person. Hmm. So now every week, pretty much, I just have these episodes where I'm enraged, and I can't, I can't bring myself down from it. I was on medicine for a long time, and I stopped taking it. I really felt like I could not deal with it on the medicine. I felt like I couldn't fix myself. So how has this changed how you feel about the Army, about the military in general? I lost a lot of pride in the Army and in my field. I used to be ready to tell anybody about what I did. I mean, EOD, it's one of the toughest schools in the military. It's nearly impossible to get through. So I was thrilled about my profession. I loved it. But now I look back and I see this huge scar on it. And everybody knows him. He's been in the field for nearly 20 years. I was new. So whose side are they going to take? And I feel like I am the person who went and tried to screw up their brotherhood. Hmm. I mean, as a woman, you come into a field that's 98% men. 
They have their own tight-knit brotherhood. It's a very small field. They all know each other. So for me to come into the field, report a sexual assault to somebody that they've been close with for decades, it's just seen as somebody coming in and throwing a wrench into what they do. Do you think that there is actually anything that can be done to change military culture? Day to day, all they talk about really is sex. They look at women, they talk about women. It's something that they don't hesitate to talk about. And I feel like it could be stopped if somebody actually stepped in and said, hey, this isn't okay. But nobody wants to take that step. They don't want to mess up their brotherhood. They don't want people to feel like they can't be comfortable at work. And comfort for them is degrading people. Multiple times I had to step forward and say, hey, you can't talk about this person like this. That's insulting to me, and it perpetuates hate. They don't want to hear it. Hmm. Jackie, have you talked with your family about this? I mean, you come from a family with a military history. I have not talked to my family about it. After the trial, I did feel the need to tell them. And I tried to reach out, and I was shut down very quickly for upsetting them. My parents are older. We are very close. But I don't think that my parents are in a state of mind to process what happened. So I've decided I will never tell them. So you left um, the military officially. Why did you decide to leave? Um, Because you made that decision before the assault happened. Right. So I got out of the military in November. I wanted to settle down with my fiancé. I don't want to be moving around. I don't want to put that strain on her. So I decided a couple months before the assault to drop my paperwork and get out. And I now work at Bank of America as a data analyst. I don't want to trash my job, but it is the most boring thing I've ever done in my entire life. (laughs) I sit at a desk and I copy-paste all day. And coming from a life where I could get out and experience things, I could Mm -hmm. go out to the field. I got to blow things up. I got to play with bombs. I got to go on special missions to D.C. I mean, I had it really going for me there. It was fun. It was a good job. It was a job I could be proud of. And I feel like I'm in this entire identity crisis now because I'm doing something that so isn't me. Hmm. And yes, it pays well and it's comfortable, but I'm the type of person that likes to go out and do things. I'm always the risk taker. So I've gone from being so proud of myself and so proud of everything that I've accomplished to really just kind of existing. And it really does fall back on my assault. I can't be proud of where I came from anymore. And I don't want to go back into that world for that reason. I feel like my name's tarnished. What steps are you taking now to deal with and cope? I am in counseling at the moment. But I feel like I'm just trying to live my life as normal as possible. I'm really not going out of my way to try to cope, per se. Just continue living. Why... Did you want to tell your story? I feel like it's important for people to know really what goes on behind the closed doors of the military. The military acts like it's taking so many steps towards correcting sexual assault and preventing it from happening, but they don't punish the people who actually do those acts. For me to have a slam dunk case with DNA evidence, witnesses, text evidence... 
and for them to come back with a not guilty verdict? That's absolutely insane. I shouldn't have to have an eyewitness to my assault, which is what they told me they needed. Who, who has an eyewitness to their assault? If there was an eyewitness, it wouldn't be happening. So people need to know that they're not fixing the issue. What would you tell a young woman who is considering a career in the military now? Don't bother. Don't waste your time. You won't be respected. You might feel like you're part of the family for a while, but something will happen. And I don't mean to put a fear factor in people like, oh, you're going to go into the military and get raped. That's not necessarily true. Many women retire from the military and have had wonderful careers. But is it really worth it? Is what I'm getting at. I mean, even before the assaults, I didn't feel like I was a human to them. Do you have any fear about sharing your story and about talking publicly about the negative experiences you had in the military? I don't have any fear about it, no. I mean, there's not going to be any reprisal for it. What can they say? Don't talk about how we can't deal with ourselves. Somebody needs to know. People need to know. And I'm not saying that this is only the military that this happens. This is the civilian world, too. So it's not it's not just the military mm-hmm. where these things are being swept under the rug. Do you feel safer as a woman walking around in the civilian world than you did on military bases? No, no. I don't. Especially now. I will look for exits before I'm anywhere by myself. I will not walk down a street alone without other people actively milling around. Even if I'm in the gym at work and there's one other person and it's a male, I my eye is on the door the entire time. I don't feel safe in the civilian world. Well, what are you and your, your fiancé sitting in this room with us? You all drove here together. Tell us about your relationship and, and how, where, you, where you two are now with this. Um, so we're getting married next month. And I really feel like the assault is behind us. I mean, we're still dealing with it at points, especially with my anger and my PTSD, but the worst is behind us. And it's a great feeling. I feel like we're 95% back to normal. to where we were before. We're just moving on with our lives. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for reaching out to us and being open about this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it, it was our honor. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? I'm just happy to tell my story, and hopefully one day it won't happen to other women. That's Jackie Bashore. We recorded that conversation with her in March, and she got married earlier this month. Thanks so much to Jackie and all of the incredible women who joined us to share their stories this season. And that is actually a wrap for us for season two on She and Her. We're going to go a little bit radio silent for a while to get some rest and figure out what's on deck for our next season, but we will keep you abreast of all of our goings-on 
on social media. You know where to find us, She and Her Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a clearinghouse of all of our stuff at sheandherradio.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We want to give a few special shout outs as we wrap up. First to Anna Kennedy, who helped us out this entire season. She was an incredible intern and became a friend of the show and of us. We're so grateful for her support. We want to thank our moms for being incredible returning guests and joining us for almost every episode this season. We want to thank WHUP, the community radio station that lets us record this show in their studios every week. Thank you so much to all of you for listening. Please write us a review on iTunes. It really helps other people find our show and will give us a great boost for the start of our next season. Have a wonderful summer and we will see you all soon. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.